Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Online Iris Green Room podcast. We got another one for you. This is a spectacular uh, show today. We're going way back to people that I've been running with for a long time. Uh, the one, the only, Robbie freaking Dawkins. How are you, Robbie? <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know Robbie, you, you're living under a rock somewhere. Uh, Robbie has been running running as, a, as an evangelist, as a minister, healing evangelist, a speaker, itinerant, author uh, for years. Um, and I know you have your roots in the vineyard, Robbie. I'm getting some feedback. Yeah, I'm through. sorry. I'm turning it down just a no little. Problem. I think it's coming off of me. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I, I, it, it, it's, uh, the vineyard's not where it originated for, for, you know, for me, but, uh, it definitely was where I got that Holy Ghost bam right. moment for sure. And, and, and was in it for 17 and a half years. Yeah. And you, you, you've traveled the globe. Uh, you've ministered all over the world. And, uh, w- the way that we connected was actually with Darren Wilson. Uh, through his, what do you got there? Mm-hmm. You, you working on your neck? What is that? I am. I'm just adjusting my beard because <laughs> I, do, I don't want it to overshadow your beard. Thank so you. I'm trying to just tone it down so that people aren't going, oh, wait, Robbie's beard is so much more spectacular than Will Hart's beard. That, that's the only thing I'm trying to do. <laughs> Listen. And there it is. There's our relationship I'm right a, there, Will. I'm a newbie <laughs> in the beard world. Um, but yeah, we met doing, uh, did we? What was actually the first time I was trying to think about it? Was it was it at the Furious Love conference? In yeah, or, no, or was it? I, it was in it was at Bethel. Uh, it was it was at the premiere at the Furious Love premiere. Yes. where we met. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I totally forgot we were in that movie together until right at this yeah. moment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remembered. I remember. I'm sorry, Robbie. Uh, you had you had just one of the most spectacular moments in the movie. I, I think mine was probably a little bit better, but you know, whatever, potato, potato. And uh, I'll give you that. <laughs> no, we, we you you had this spectacular moment, and it really uh, it, it it went all around the globe uh, because you had been mm-hmm. ministering outside of the four walls of the church uh, for a long time, but specifically going into places that most churches would say were taboo. And yeah. uh, and you you really were one of the early ones pioneering going into witchcraft festivals, going into um, spirit spiritist events, and ministering mm-hmm. the gospel, ministering the love of Jesus uh, to those who are in pursuit of really of darkness. And I, I love the moment in the film as you're there ministering in the in this uh, what, it was a spiritist festival, I think, and the woman starts manifesting right in front of you. And uh, you led you led her to Jesus in that film, if I remember correctly. Yeah, there were two people. Uh, there was a, a guy that was there that was uh, had a vision of Jesus, and then a woman that was manifesting like a snake. Mm-hmm. And I prayed with both of them, led both of them to Christ. Uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it was it was it was pretty spectacular. It was pretty. It, and it was crazy because when the woman first starts manifesting like a snake. Uh, she's like on the floor at first and she's like literally slithering around. I mean, I, with, with all of your, uh, ministry experience, I'm, I know you've seen that stuff too, mm-hmm. but it was like, like slithering around like, like a snake. She was, uh, sa- like saying things of, of insights of people. It was, it was kind of like, uh, act 16 ish, you know, 
Uh, and, the, and this one guy who was kind of like her handler was, uh, who was a supposedly some sort of guru type dude, uh, you know, was, was really controlling her and making money off of her. And so it was a really, truly like an act 16 thing, uh, with the woman with the familiar spirit, but, uh, yeah. And, and powerful breakthrough, uh, took authority over it, commanded it to stop. She just drops to her knees, drops to the ground. And went through a bit of deliverance process with her and then asked her if she wanted to accept Christ. She did. It was it was it was incredible. And then Sammy was the guy who yes. was at the end. And yes, Sammy. G- give and, us a run uh, through again about Sammy. I I forget all the all the pieces now. It's, uh, sure. it's been 10 years since I've watched it. Yeah. You know, we had posted up on the up on the wall uh just uh it, it was chris o uh, chris overstreet and i were kind of leading the t- uh, two teams um and uh chris had you know his crew from bssm and and uh i had some guys that were from illinois that had come with darren from darren's church and so uh we were just um just had a sign up that said free readings and free cleansings which uh one of the other guys in the film had 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 the same uh, thing when he was at a witchcraft festival. This was a psychic new age fair uh, that was up in Mount Shasta. And so, um, you know, it was in this big gymnasium. And so we just put up this free readings, free cleansings. Of course, people were stopping just because it was free. And, uh, and Sammy walks up and he's like, you know, can you do me? (laughs) And I was like, sure. So we started praying for him and, and ministering to him. And, and all of a sudden, you had this sense, you could feel the presence of God just coming really intense. And, and uh, you could see, you know, just like his eyes begin to like blink a lot and stuff like that. We could see something was happening. And then, um, and then he raised his hand straight up in the air and, and just had his eyes really tightly closed. And I said, I said, hey, Sammy, I said, what's going on? And he said, he said, "I'm seeing the one and the where who wears a rides a white horse yes. and wears a white robe and has a sword in his hand, and he's coming to drive these black figures from my body." And it was like, "Wow," <laughs> you know. And yeah. so, um, continue to pray for him, and then he dro- you know, just a little bit more, and then he drops to his knees with his hand up in the air. And he opens his eyes and he just shouts out, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, three times. And I, I looked at him and I said, Sammy, you know, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And he looked up at me with a smile on his face and he said, Robbie, I just did. He said, that was it. That was me making Jesus Lord. And, and so I still prayed with him anyway, just to like, OK, just make sure he's walking <laughs> through the steps here. But, um, yeah, it was really powerful, really cool. powerful moment. So how did you end up connecting with Darren. How, like how, how did that happen? Cause he called me out of the blue. I had no yeah. idea who he was. I never watched a uh, uh, finger of God. How, how did that happen for, for you? Yeah. You know, Darren was uh, panhandling on the street. He was poor. <laughs> he was shoeless. Uh, I picked him up, cleaned him up, took him home, yeah. fed him, yeah. led him to Christ, discipled him. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> I could keep going on and on with that. <laughs> no, uh, Darren, I actually went and preached at Darren's church. Uh, his pastor was a, at that time, was another vineyard pastor who had um, who had invited me to come. And he would always ask me to come because of my stories. 
He's like, you have the most amazing stories. And he goes, you actually have the stories that are what he called the classic vineyard stories. He goes, your stories are like John Wimbers and uh, Lonnie Frisbees and, right. and uh, Blaine Cooks and stuff like that. So I went just to uh, just to speak one time and then Darren stepped up to me after service um, and he said, listen, I'm a prophet of Baptist University. He said, I would love for you to come and speak to the students sometime. He said, if I could get you a chapel service, you know, would you do that? And I was like, yeah, of course. And um, he tried really hard to get me in that Baptist University and they were just not having it. So um, he then I went back uh, up there to speak again one time and all of a sudden I had a prophetic word for him. And the prophetic word was regarding uh, Finger of God, the first movie. And I didn't know it. I, I When I'm giving the word, you know how, how it is. Yeah. You know, you're giving a word and you don't really know what it means. I saw him doing like these claymation figures and that he was pushing, putting things into position and he was like taking pictures and then putting things in position. And he stopped and he looked up at me and he goes, kind of like editing. And I said, yeah, kind of like editing. And I said, I saw you doing this, but I saw him doing it. And I said, I saw God's hand on his shoulders. And I said, it's really God who's doing the edit. You know, I said, it's God who's taking the pictures and telling you where to maneuver everything and what to put in. And, you know, he's directing it. And, and that's kind of where the he had not made the film yet. He had asked me to be a part of it, but I, I, I didn't have, I, you know, nobody knew what was going to happen with that right. film. Right. And so, and, and I just, for every time he would ask me, the schedule wouldn't, even though we lived only 35 minutes away from each other, our schedules just never matched up. And so, um, he always tells everybody that I was in every one of the films, but that's not true. He just thinks I was because he kept asking me to be a part of it. <laughs> so, but anyway, that's how we met. And then, um, and then when we were coming up to film Furious Love, uh, I was actually going to be a part. We were going to do a segment uh, that was going to be at Burning Man. Mm -hmm. And I was going to bring some of my guys from my church and we were going to do the Burning Man uh, thing. And then um, at the last minute, he just asked me, he goes, hey, he goes, I just kind of felt prompted to do this. Would you want to come uh, to, you know, Mount Shasta uh, and do this, this, this piece in Mount Shasta? He goes, I should have thought of you doing this because this is the type of stuff that you right. do like on a regular basis. And uh, and so I was like, yeah, sure. And so we did. And it turned out that that. He never got the funding to do the Burning Man part, so it's kind of a good thing that that we did that, <laughs> you know. So for yeah, those it was of you, powerful. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, Furious Love, uh, Finger of God, Furious Love, Father of Lights, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost Reborn, Born, yeah, and then a couple after Finger that? of God, Finger of God Two. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen that's it. those are all of them, and then there and he's working on another one that's called the God Man. Yeah, I'm really yeah. excited about that. Yeah, I, 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 I've only heard, you know, his vision for it. And it's, it is incredible. It is. I think we had him on, I don't know, a few months back, and he shared a little bit about it. Uh, if any of yeah. you guys are interested, you can check out the interview with Darren Wilson. Um, dude, that, when, when I got the call, I didn't know who he was. I, I ignored him, over, like, many, <laughs> many, many times. I think, I think it was, like, six or seven times that he called me, and I said no. Like I just said, no, you know, I don't know who you are. You're just some weird guy in what Illinois or where was he? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an English professor or something, you know. English and literature professor. Look at you know so much more than I do, Robbie. 
And uh, only because he lived close. So <laughs> I just said no, <laughs> and he was so persistent. I love that about him. When he uh, he doesn't quit. No, he's like a a dog with a bone, man. When he wants it, he Absolutely. gets it. And uh, he has so much favor on his life. Did you think? Like, did you? Would you have known how how that was gonna shooting that was gonna change your life forever? No, you know it's really bizarre. I mean, I saw Finger of God and I absolutely loved it, and I kind of I was kind of kicking myself because I felt like I felt like I was supposed to be. I I was doing kind of like you were because he had asked me to come and speak at his university and it, and and it never happened and he kept trying and trying and he called me and saying I think I'm close and th- and it never happened so I was like oh man this is going to be the same thing right. so I kind of didn't give it much attention and I and I and and it, yeah I I even I think I disobeyed a little bit because I I kind of felt like it was a priority uh, but I, I just with what had happened with the university I just. Uh, you know, I got frustrated with it, but yeah, nobody knew that. And w- so when he called with the piece about furious love, um, you know, by that time I, I sort of, I knew about finger of God. I'd seen it because he, he called me and asked me to come see the first viewing at his church. There was only like 30 people there right now. Now millions of people, you know, since yeah. have seen that movie, but at that time, it was it was the smallest group. I think I think half of them were his family, you know, <laughs> that were there. And so, um, but it went in, and so I, I did know that God was breathing on it. But uh, you know, I was. It's so funny because I didn't want to go up against you know, like be in the movie, like, okay, there's a Bethel table over here. And then there's a Robbie Dawkins table over here. And who knows Robbie Dawkins, you know, it was one of those kind of things where I was like, I I don't want to go up against that because the Bethel guys are going to smoke me, you know, and I'm going to be, and it wasn't a pride thing. It was just like, I didn't want to be a distraction. Right. Right. I was a big fan of, of Chris's already, you know, and just had, had respect for him. And so, so when I when I went there, yeah, there was there was no I had no idea, you know, but it, it was immediately from the get go, you know, a a sense of I, I remember why I was like, wow, this is going to be a big deal and God's going to do something because that morning I woke up, we went on a Saturday uh, and that morning I woke up, I woke up feeling sheer terror all over me. Yep. <laughs> and the, and the crazy thing was the terror. It, this is not nerves. I mean, I, by that time I'd spoken in front of thousands and thousands of people. It was not, it wasn't nerves. It wasn't, you know, will I do well? It was, it was the enemy. It was the preemptive wow. strike, Satan trying to back me off Yeah. and trying to make me afraid, you know? And, and I was like, Oh this is going to be good. You know, mm-hmm. this is, this is actually going to turn into something really good because if he's fighting this hard, this early, something's up, you know? Yeah. And so, and of course it was, dude, I was so scared when I flew out to Thailand. Um, number one, like I was, I wasn't doing anything in ministry at that point. I just come off the missions field and I was living in, uh, North Carolina, the middle of nowhere, right outside of, um, Moravian falls. And yep. I was working at, uh, Lowe's cause uh, a predominant minister, awesome. a predominant minister that we were chatting with, uh, chatting about, uh, fell right in that season. Yeah. And all of a sudden, nobody wanted young, uh, physically attractive itinerants uh, to, <laughs> to go. So I was like right off the list. And and I, I lost all ministry in one year. Uh, every Everything. Wow. Actually, in one month, I, I lost a year's worth of invites. 
And I ended up getting a job working at Lowe's and uh, taking care of my family. I had two kids at the time. We were living in a tiny little house in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. And that's when I started getting the calls. I wasn't in a good place. When, like when I flew yeah. out and started filming, like I was not, I had almost just given up on ministry. And I was at the same place, Will. Really? I was in that same place. Yeah, I had been pastoring in the hood. Yeah, for I forgot about years. that. Yeah, laying carpet to feed my family, you know, selling carpet, laying carpet, cleaning carpet, uh, and and barely making it. Mm-hmm. And I was I was at the point where I was either going to go, I'm going to go be an associate somewhere, at pastor, or or just or just go full head on into into running my own business, starting you know, and make and just go on that route. But all of a sudden. When when Darren called, I was like, okay, I'll you know I'll take a shot at. I, I thought, well, the first movie did well, but this usually the the part twos don't do as good. Right. So I was like, ah, this will be kind of the B version of, of part one. <laughs> but of course, it, you know, you saved it, so it wasn't. You know, by <laughs> I love no, you know, I one of the things I love if I can go to this, you're you're right. Sorry if I'm redirecting your interview here, but this one of the things I love is how you were sitting with the guy. Every everybody talks about the lady boy, but I loved how you were sitting with the guy who was coming there to traffic to to purchase a trafficked person. Yeah, and your interview and how bold and how direct you were with them. I I loved it. It was it was powerful. It was, uh, I was like, man, Will is asking the questions that are, that are tough questions to ask and that are so good to ask, you know, it was, it was, it really was that, that, that was one of the parts, of course, the lady boy part and the bar, uh, Tinder person was incredible, but it, it, it was powerful. But that one scene just really gripped me because you were, you were going for the hard stuff. And and really provoking him to think, and I loved it. I I don't know if I've ever shared this, but I, um, I used to go when I would go to Thailand and minister. It was just for fun, you know. Uh, it was never. I didn't have a ministry. There. That was one of the things that I told Darren. I said, I feel bad because you want to highlight, you want to follow me around with cameras, but there's like a hundred people that are doing a work there that have been called yeah. there. I'm like, I'm just going because I I love Thailand and I love ministering and I love people, but there's sure. 20 other people you should be filming. And, right, right, right. and I, uh, th- my first trip or two to Thailand, I, I, I of course had this heart for the broken and those who were being trafficked and I'll never forget it. I, I'm going to spit up, spit out my gum. Hold on. I apologize. I should have gotten rid of that before we started. Um, I, I was in a, I think they're called, uh, tuk or whatever. I was in a taxi, which are like a back of a truck and I'm sitting there with a guy uh, next to me, an older, an, old, an older gentleman that just hopped on. And he began to talk to me about how that night he was going to go and buy some kids. And this rage came up inside of me. I was like, I'm yeah, going to take I a bet. baseball bat and, and I'm going to bless him with no teeth, you know, and like... The, <laughs> And knuckle knuckles to replace teeth, dude. It's it's horrible. It, and you just get like imagine this: you're in Thailand, you're visiting. Of course, Pattaya was is dedicated to the sex trade, but right. you're sitting there, and there's I think he was from Canada, the the gentleman that I was talking to in the in the truck, um, and he's just going on and on about he's how he's going to rape children, and and 
I I had this v- moment there sitting next to him where the Lord where the Lord told me if you can't love this one then you need then you shouldn't come back. And wow. And it broke it broke my heart because you know can you love the unlovable? Can you love the ones that that aren't just, you know, hurting but the ones that are doing the hurting? And I, that might be offensive to a lot of people, uh, and it was to myself. Uh, and I still, I, I still struggle with that tension of loving, loving the worst. But Jesus, Jesus, definitely called. stretching. Yeah, but from yeah. that moment on, I, I started on all the trips afterwards. I started not just um, ministering to prostitutes, um, but and pimps, but but ministering to the Johns as well. And yeah. the, the openness that those guys have uh, is is spectacular. They they're lost, uh, they're broken. Mm. They've been they've been raped and abused themselves normally, and sure. and and they're hungry. They're looking for love. I I I was able to see, and I, I I'm the reason why I'm having I'm having a hard time sharing this because I want to be careful about what I say. But sure, those those guys are looking for love. They they yeah. all they are is looking for love. And yep. they've they've been taught or or trained that love looks like this, you know, love looks like yeah. abusing kids, but they are just on a journey. And and I've led a few to the Lord over the years, but man, those moments those moments wreck my life. And and uh, yeah, and then and then being able to to film with Darren and it, it, it changed the trajectory of my life. But it. it it did mine too. I mean, it it definitely obviously it threw me onto the you know, a much more public scene. I mean, it, it let, it let people know. I remember I reached out to you and I said, uh, I said, it, 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 I said, I would love to connect with you because you and I are, are doing the same thing. And you kind of, uh, if I remember correctly was like, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are and I really don't have time for, uh, you know, low life pastors. Oh, in Illinois. Wow. No, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm I probably did, I, man. I like think, I, I think you were on the second shift at Lowe's is why you man. talk to me. But I, re- I remember, um, I remember for me, you know what those movies did for me? Will was it? It made me go. There are others. Yeah. Uh, at that time, you know, I was, I was in, I was kind of, e- even though I was in this movement that had been birthed by this, I was, I was, I was trying to find camaraderie. I was trying to find, you know, I, there was, there were some people that had the mentality, yeah, that's old school ministry, and I'm like, old school is in acts. Well, then right. I'm old school ministry, you right. know. It was it was hard to find, you know, you know, that to, to keep that fuel going. And and, uh, you know, by that time, there was, you know, kind of a different model being embraced. And and so it, it for me, it was like, oh, there's others. Yeah, there's other people doing this. There's other people that this is clearly something, you know, God is is moving in and that this is still viable. This is. And so it was just a shot in the arm. And then to find out that, you know, people we're like, yeah, we want to hear from that. How do you do this? How right. do you, that, so that so that we could multiply those others. Right. right. You know, it, it was just, man, it was an encouragement because literally I was like at the place of going, I'm done mm. uh, because I'm tired of being thought of as old school. I'm tired of being, <laughs> you know, of what I shared and taught. I, I, even my wife, uh, she probably not love me telling the story, but uh, one time we were with some of her family and I went to tell one of my power evangelism stories. And she goes, you know, Robbie, she goes, 
you know, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think the, the, you know, people want to hear these as much. She goes, they're, they're your trophies because you're doing great things for God. But she goes, I, I just don't know if people, she was trying to protect me. Mm. And she's like, I don't know if people, if, if people today really value that as much. And she goes, I, I, I just don't want you to be hurt by people not grasping it. And, and so I, I was like, I didn't understand. And then within a few months, you know, we, we were filming and, and doing all that. And it, it just, it really brought me kind of out of a, a slump of going, Oh, there, there really are others who value this and really yeah. care about people and care about, you know, my whole thing with my church was I was constantly telling them, you know, if you aren't doing ministry outside of the church, then I don't want you doing it inside. Right. You know, because I was like, I don't want you to see inside the church as being your ministry. I want you to get your training outside because you'll you'll have more honest responses. You'll have more sense. You know, people people tell you, no, I'm not healed. Right. Or no, that that word's dead wrong. And I said, you know, and 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 to, in order to see power continuing in our church, we had to plant those seeds outside of the church. Yeah. And so. For our group, you know, they they were they were starting to grasp that. And, you know, and I was just punching that button all the time for them. And so it, it was it was really it, in multiple ways. Uh, being a part of that film was just a massive shot in the arm and a massive encouragement and just sort of catapulted me into an arena that, you know, I, I wasn't even aware was even there yeah. and that there was a massive value in it. So I'm, I thank God for it. it really, yeah, it really no, I it, it changed it changed both of our lives. I was I so was true. I was reading. Um, uh, oh gosh, what is it? Uh, I was reading a healing a book on healing last night uh, that uh, Bill and Randy did together. Um, Essential Guide to oh, Healing. I have that. Yeah, yeah. Essentials. And and there's a part in there where it's got to be in the late '80s early to late eighties, Randy talks about how he goes on this journey for healing and, and he, he had this conviction to take it out of the four walls of the church. And I, and as I'm reading this, I'm going, man, like I, Randy Clark used to do this too. Like he cut his yeah. teeth in ministry at Kroger's. So he would fry donuts and he'd travel around different Kroger's stores, setting it up. And he, he's, he said he, in the book, he said he put out a fleece. He said, Lord, um, you know, bring me sick. If you bring me any sick people, uh, I'm going to pray for them and give me words of knowledge, Lord. And Randy in Kroger's, he talks about he he went into the 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 smoky holy of holies, which was the smoke break room, uh, and brought a woman in there, prayed for her, she got healed. And he, he prayed for another woman, um, I think, in the lock in freezer uh, of the of the supermarket, she got healed. But but it's amazing to see what God does in the in the private that conviction of your heart, how He takes it uh, around the world, and and even with Randy, um, those moments of victory really, really, I think set him up for what he's carrying today. Um, I agree. I think it was his. I think it's like you said, where he cut his teeth. I think it was the the equipping training moment, and 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 I mean, we all know. That if all you ever do is pray for people in conferences or right. pray for people in in Christian meetings, home groups, uh, church services, if that's all you do, you're going to see power ebb. 
Mm. And it's not because God's pulling back. It's because it's not being it's not being used where there's going to be the most. Effective. I, dude, you, you know, maybe your kids are getting to the age where my kids were at one point where all of a sudden, like th- my kids are like, Dad, I don't want to go to you with you to a conference. Yeah. And they love church. My kids love church. Mm-hmm. But they're like, I don't want to go and pray for a bunch of Christians. You know, if I'm like, let's go to the mall and pray. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's do that. You know, they're like, they're, they love that. They love praying for unbelievers. And I tell them it's a little bit lazy because they know the unbelievers are going to get healed faster. Yeah. You know, and that, that it's low hanging fruit, you know, right. and that, and it's, and it's true, but, but they, they love doing things with the lost. It's, it's just, you know, seeing that recycle of, you know, conference hoppers. They're like, I, I don't want to pray for those people anymore, you know? Totally. And so it, it, they, they, they catch it, they see it. And, and everybody, if, if anybody is wanting to do healing, go with the loss, do it at the grocery store, the post office, do it at, at the, you know, school play yard, do it where, you know, that's where you're going to see it happen and happen right. fast and right. have the most impact. The, the only time I see lack of faith is in the church. That's so true. I never, I mean, every so often I'll, you know, I'll run into real lack of faith outside, but 90, 95% of the time uh, I ever face people that don't have faith is, is in the church. I got super disenfranchised. I was traveling with, with Randy, um, Mm -hmm. doing meetings and it was my, it was my dream. It was what the Lord put in front of me. But after three years, uh, I start, we started going back to the same churches, lining the same people up. Seeing them have powerful encounters for me, when when the Lord fell on me, that was it. Uh, I I left six months later, moved to South America, started seeing miracles, signs, and wonders in the streets. But but I lost my zeal and passion for ministering to churches as I was in the peak of traveling with the greatest, one of the greatest revivalists <laughs> of yeah. Uh, uh, I think we'll go down in history, you know, like absolutely. And, and that's actually, that's actually what led me to go to Mozambique. It was, it was that moment of like, I'll never forget being in a church, lining everybody up, praying for people. They, God moved on them and I felt dead inside. I've just felt like I was a prostitute myself. Like I was being paid to go in, lay hands on people. They would get their fix. Right. And then I would, and then I would go back and, and, and there was one moment I was at this church in Pennsylvania, this little church, and I, I, it's the only time I've ever done this. As I'm preaching, I felt the Holy Spirit exit the room in, in my heart of hearts, and I, put, I handed the microphone to my wife, and I sat down in the front row, and everybody was shocked. It was the opening night of a three-day event, and I said, I just felt the Holy Spirit leave. I have no desire to do this, and I walked away. And it was immature. I was not in a good place. It was, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. do that again, probably. Uh, I would do it differently. <laughs> but, but I was at least honest with myself. Like, I didn't want to keep just doing the stuff for the sake of, of, of people having their fix. Yeah. Um, get me drunk again. Give me yeah. a fresh touch. Get me on the floor again. I mean, it was like, yeah, no, I get it. Well, hey, but it's so cool to see people who grab that and mm-hmm. realize it and don't, don't go through that cycle. Well, I went on the missions field. I said, this has to work amongst the poor, the sick, the needy. And it le- it's led me to where I'm at today. Robbie, uh, just because of time, I want to talk to you just about a couple of things. Uh, I was sure. uh, uh, The first is Vineyard Church. You are, you are known throughout the Vineyard Church as, as a catalyst, right? When, when, when they want a fresh, a fresh touch, a fresh move, they're bringing you, you in. You were, 
you are known throughout all of the vineyard churches that I know uh, of the guy as the guy. Um, that's such a stark contrast to where they started. Everybody prays, everybody plays, and 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 over a, a short amount of time that seemed to switch. How did you handle that? Um, being this uh, this proponent for the roots amongst a movement that honored the roots, but we're like, yeah, we're just not there today. Like, what was that right. feeling? Like, how how was that navigating that? Well, it, I, it wasn't smooth. It was uh, there's 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 even still a lot of tension. I, I remember a pastor. I was down in Houston, Texas, and uh, and and doing a vineyard event, and the pastor pulled me aside, and he goes. How does it feel to be such a polarizing figure in the vineyard movement? <laughs> and I was like, "Well, thank you." <laughs> you know, but but it's true, and I mean, and it's there. There's a lot of truth to that, and uh, and one of the things that uh, in in my conversation with him is, I just told him, I said, "I just see myself as in good company because John Wimber was a polarizing figure in Calvary Chapel." And Calvary Chapel was a polarizing figure in, you know, the Foursquare. And, you know, the Foursquare, Amy Simple McPherson was a polarizing figure, you know, in L.A. in the 20s and 30s, you know. And so I said, I just consider myself, and then it goes all the way back to Jesus, you know, being a polarizing figure. And so I said, I, I just see myself as being in good company. And there's always the thing where people are going to, you know, there's, there's venue churches today that, Man, they, they, they see me as a champion of 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 John Wimber. And, and, you know, even to this day, one of my one of my very first intercessors that that faithfully interceded for me is Carol Wimber. Uh, to this day, Carol Wimber writes a note, put you know, she she also partners with us. Uh, sends it, says, keep going. You know, uh, one of her grandkids, uh, actually a couple of them are, are going to accompany me this next year on, on some trips in the Middle East. Um, they're, they're just, you know, th- that family has been so Tim Wimber's a dear friend of mine, Tim yeah. and Sharon, uh, on and on I could go. I mean, of, of the Wimber family have just been massive supporters and encouragers. And so, um, knowing that throughout the process of where people were, uncomfortable and people, you know, not liking the rub there, that that's where there was kind of this group that sort of was shifting more to this, you know, let's, let's, let's go a little bit more of the seeker model, or let's go to more of, you know, what we're currently looking at as, you know, social justice thing. And, uh, and, and here I was using a, a, a term that that John Weber was using. Well, let's stay with the main and the plane. Right. Let's stay with what what is uh, which was being about signs and wonders, about power evangelism to bring using signs and wonders to bring people to Christ was what Wimber's number one message. His biggest bookseller was always power evangelism, and uh, and so there's another powerful book that that he that was co-authored with he and Kevin Springer was called Power Encounters. And it was just story after story of incredible power encounters. But there, there's always been this tension. And, you know, what happens in a movement is you have pioneers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have a denomination or a movement, you have pioneers and they're trailblazers. Yeah. You know, they're kind of cutting a swath through the countryside there. And with that swath they're cutting through the countryside, they're making a mess. Uh, they're, they're making progress but also making a mess. 
Then you have the settlers who are coming in. They settle the towns. They get they get the mayors. They build the schools. They build the post office, the banks. And you have the settlers. Well, what happens in a movement is pioneers are not good settlers. Right. And the problem is, is that if you don't have in the forefront of your movement a trailblazing pioneer, then everything gets taken over by the settlers and settlers <laughs> settle and they settle for what is different than what the pioneers were striving to to go for. And that's not that's not a statement from me that has been historically throughout church history been proven again and again and again. And anybody who takes a church history class can go through each group, each movement and show you where that has taken place and happened. There has to be a contending to stay, as again, Wimber put it, with that main and the plane. But what happens is you start looking for new tactics. You start looking for – and I, it's like one of the things I always say, Will, is that the, the, um, the rebellious – sons of hippies become accountants mm. you know the rebel and then the the accountants rebellious kids go back to being hippies you know you, there's a cycle that occurs <laughs> you know the the rebellious kids of the pentecostals uh become you know mainstream evangelicals that that are cessationists right. why i don't know but but there really is a thing of where they start thinking oh well Mom and dad had a good part, but it wasn't quite right. right. And I got to I kind of got to get it right. And so so many of the of, of the cycle of the church goes through that. And so it's it's just a part of the of the thing. But the people who are really seeing I mean, most of the followers that I have are are, again, what a lot of what's in the vineyard. That is, mm -hmm. I mean, a, a huge part of my audience are millennials. But um, and, and I just think that's a generation looking for spiritual fathers, right. you know, and and looking for courageous people. You know, they want a courageous person to follow. And, um, you know, you know, like we're we're I'm taking my family to Afghanistan, uh, you know, within the next six months. I have to keep it general for safety right, right. sake. But, um, you know, all of those things, uh, it, it, it gives people something. And I think like even within. The movement, like within the vineyard, they, they they saw the courage in the not backing off, even though there was there was pressure. Let's tone it down a little bit. Let's right. let's let's, you know, and 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 I was I was never willing to concede that because I knew that that was that was being that was moving out of God's sphere. And and, you know, I, I don't want to move into what's just palatable uh, for the sake of sacrificing what is you know, the miraculous of, of God's uh, presence and, and encounter. And so because of that, there was just a lot of in your people that said, man, that's that's what we remember about John Wimber. And that's what right. we're going to follow. I'm not saying that I've got his mantle or his anointing or anything like that, because really, I, I don't care. I, I just want to follow Jesus. And I want to be, you know, I want Jesus's anointing. I want the Holy Spirit's right. hand and direction, not the other. But it's uh, it's been it's been encouraging for those who are who are really hungry and and really thirsting for that and and that's been a blessing for us. Yeah, come on, well, I love beautifully said, man. This is something that uh, that that I think about constantly. Uh, sure, being being uh, me too. A, uh, yeah, being a, one of the voices in Iris, um, you know, this massive revival missions movement, and and going, God, what are you going to do in, in the next generation? And uh, yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've been I've been reading a lot about Wimber, and and I've been reading a lot about uh, man, a great book called M Missions Drift by Peter Greer. 
Uh, why yeah. why uh, organizations start one way and then deviate so start, quickly? Start off in power and then move to, you know, uh, being, you know, relief work mm-hmm. and then move away from the mission. There, yeah. there was a movie that came out this year that was really powerful. And it's about these guys who are Christians, basically soldiers trying to free people in certain parts of the world. And I watched it and it was they were like, man, people were sending me this. You got to watch this because these, these guys are like you. But when I watched it, the only thing that it was powerful, the only thing that was missing was there was no gospel presentation. <laughs> they weren't presenting the gospel. They yeah. were freeing people. They were yeah. liberating. Yeah. They were praying. It showed their personal walk. But where's where's sharing the gospel? I mean, I could save somebody's life and they go to hell. Right. What, what about what about keeping your foot on the pedal of, of totally transforming that person forever? I could pray for somebody they get healed, never share Christ with them and come back going, whoo, I had a cool healing. But that person goes to hell because I never shared Jesus yeah. with them. I never yeah. gave person of the gospel. And so it really it's it, shifting and keeping people's mind on. Listen, we have to keep an internal perspective and focus and not lose that objective. I mean, every healing Jesus did was to point to relationship with the Father. Dude, I can't I couldn't agree with you more. And it's and it's funny, even that statement, there's a group that that finds that offensive. They're like, we just got to go yeah. and do the go and do good stuff and justice. And I and I love Jesus loves justice, but without the of gospel, course. it is it is all for nothing. Uh, without the yeah. gospel, it is we are just uh, yeah, can pushing pushing forward to a Christless eternity in 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 their lives. You can feed people for a day, but unless yeah. you're bringing the gospel, um, it is it's all. They're going to spend a lot more time in eternity than they are yeah. in that day. It's, you it, know what it, I mean? It's crazy, Robbie. Well, listen, uh, last thing, and, and we just have a couple more minutes left. Um, I've been watching your Instagram. I, I was just down in um, uh, where was it? Uh, Oklahoma uh, at Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, and as oh, I wow. was there, uh, on the walls, there's all these stories of persecution. Um, I, I took some pictures of some of the, some of the, uh, some of the testimonies of those who had given their lives away for the sake of the gospel. They're all, they're covering their walls. And as I was doing that, I was like, man, the only person I know that's actually getting this stuff out is Robbie Dawkins. Like you, this is, you talk about martyrdom constantly. You said you're heading over to Afghanistan. Um, you, you can hear a lawnmower in the, in, just come on <laughs> I did. Sorry. It was almost <laughs> like, uh, we stirred something up in the, uh, angry Ooh. realm. Uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but, but I, I've, I've been watching you. You're, you're, you're working with the underground church in Iran. Um, yes. is there any stories, anything that you're hearing on the front lines, um, that you can tell any of our, our viewers? So many that it's 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 hard to choose one. Uh, you know, I do. I, I, I teach 150 Iranians every week. Uh, I have three different groups. I can't tell you what avenues we do that through. Uh, but obviously, you know, the, these were people that that I was bringing over into countries such as Turkey and Armenia and Iraq that I was training them live. I brought I brought 500 Iranians over to Turkey uh, in two different groups last July and trained them, sent them out to the streets. You know, we have to keep them in a place that contextually is still dangerous so they can relate to it. Uh, you know, if I brought them in a safer part of Western Europe, they can't relate. Right. And so they got to be in a, they got to be in a Muslim context that, that they can relate to. Uh, but brought them over, had incredible, uh, times enough. But one of the groups, uh, 
we, we've had to move to that to a unspecified uh, platform uh, to now keep that training going uh, because we're, we're starting schools in the Middle East for these guys. And so uh, one of the one of the ladies was was on uh, and and we, we had a rule. You cannot invite anybody who's not a Christian to be a part of this because we don't want it, anyone else to get caught. Because mm-hmm. on this particular platform, they can still see names and people right. say things and all that. Uh, there's several different rules that we have, but that's one of them. But all of a sudden, in the midst, uh, we were seeing these faces. This is somebody who's in Iran. And we're seeing – and their their Wi-Fi is horrible there. So, again, I can't tell you how we do it, but we, we have ways of getting them Wi-Fi. And, and all of a sudden, I'm seeing the face, but it's changing from one face to another face to another face, like three different faces – as I'm watching on their screen and I'm like, what is this? Like, is this a manifestation or what? And I finally stopped and I asked the person, I said, uh, Sahar, I said, it, 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 what's going on? I'm seeing these different faces. And she started crying and, and it was dark in the room where she was at, but every now and then the light would hit and it's because she was hiding in her closet, afraid of the oh Iranian secret police yeah. finding the signal and coming and finding her. And she goes, Robbie, she goes, I'm so sorry. The translator was translating for me. Robbie, I'm so sorry. She goes, I invited two of my unbelieving neighbors. We're sitting in the closet together. She goes, I know the rules are we're not supposed to invite unbelievers. She goes, but they wanted to hear about Jesus. And they are feeling electricity going all over their bodies as you're talking about Jesus and they right now, they want to accept Jesus. Wow. And so I'm showing them the phone. And as they're seeing, they're feeling God's presence. They're feeling uh, this electricity. And I said, and, and I just broke down. You know, I mean, here I, sh- I should have been going, you shouldn't do that. You know the right. rules. <laughs> and I just broke down and I said, well, let's pray with them to accept Christ. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys pops up who's in another part of the country in Iran. And he goes, well, I actually have two of my neighbors here oh. too. And then another one's like, I have three of my neighbors no. here and I have, and on and on. And I was like, what are you guys doing? Oh. You know, cause we, we don't want them to get busted, right. you know? And, and we just prayed. And in one session, we uh, led seven people to Christ when this is supposed to be for believers to train them in healing and prophetic right. and deliverance you know, to bring people to Christ. And it was just spectacular. And on and on stories I could go into, man, of just things that are happening. Uh, One lady was called in uh, by the secret police. She prayed for uh, the the guy comes in and she looks at him. She looks him right in the eye. and She goes, I want you to know right now, I'm not afraid to die for the gospel. She goes, I I know you, I know you're probably going to arrest me and throw me in jail, but I'm not afraid. And she goes, and she goes, I'm warning you now, Tertullian, and because we had just talked about Tertullian and his, the statement that she made of that if you, um, if you shed the, the martyr's blood, it, you know, if you kill one, a thousand will rise up in their right. place because uh, the statement was the blood of the martyrs is as seed. And so she looks at the guy and says, if you kill me, a thousand will rise up in my place. And she said, you cannot stop this unstoppable force. Come and and, and the guy just starts getting – he starts weeping. Yeah. And he's just – the spirit of God hits him and he starts weeping. And he basically just kicked her out of his office. He didn't arrest her. He didn't do anything. He just just go away. you know. And, and, and then another one of the guys who had been – who's on, on our thing, he had, he had been arrested and – 
and they sent him home. He had been, he had been arrested, thrown in jail. He'd been in jail for a year. Uh, they, they sent him home. And as soon as they put him in the taxi uh, to, to send him home, he shares the gospel with the taxi cab driver wow. as he's leaving jail. Wow. Another woman. Let me just say one more. Another woman. They had arrested, <laughs> beaten, tortured her kids. Will tortured her kids. They're ma- they're torturing her little daughter, telling her, look in your mommy's eyes and beg her to give us the names so it will stop. They are they're torturing her and she's and she starts crying because they're pulling her fingernails out. And they, and she starts screaming, mommy, mommy, mommy. And her mom is like, she's like, I'm ready to, to renounce my faith. I'm ready to give them the names. I'm so ready. And she goes, mommy, mommy. And she, she turns and she looks at the, the torturers and starts to say something like, I'm ready to give you what you want. And the little girl says, mommy, don't let go of Jesus and will. My whole crew just lost it. And the whole group of, of Iranians lost it because we were they were there hearing the story and they were like, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to give everything to this. And I mean, I, I, I like I said, I could go on and on. There's so many stories that are happening throughout the church in Iran, as you know, the fastest growing church in the world. Yeah. And the Iranians look at us every time and they say to us every time they said, tell the Western church. Stop praying that persecution ends and tell them to pray that it increases because it's not stopping us and it's making it grow faster. Yeah. Man, brother, these are these are the champions of our faith. It's so and true. so yeah, anyway. Whew, I, I sorry. just listened to a, a testimony Ooh. of a woman who uh who's passed yeah, I just gotta be careful. Uh, um, yeah, I'm they, trying they, to be careful. They um, they they chopped his head off and forced and forced uh, his wife to consume to consume him and wow. and forcing her to yeah to renounce everything and follow uh, a radical ideology. Uh, it, it, this is when it, when I was at Voice of the Martyrs, I was so blessed to see an entire organization that is bent on just reaching those ones yeah. and serving those ones, and they the 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 favor of the Lord is on those guys. And I I want to encourage all of you guys that are watching this. Listen. Uh, you, you need to follow Robbie. You need to keep in touch with what he's doing. Robbie, I love this amazing work that you're doing. And every time I see a post go up uh, talking about the pers- persecuted church, it is, it is something that, that we need to hear. It's something that the church needs to hear. And, yes. and I'm so grateful to know you. I'm so grateful to have you on this podcast. It's I'm an very honor, grateful man. It's an honor. that your wife is in the background with a leaf blower. and, and <laughs> Giving uh, instructions to the kids. <laughs> dude, it's, I love it. But um, listen, so any if, they, if people want to get in touch with you, get in touch with your ministry, how do they do that? It's just Robbie with a Y, RobbieDawkins.com. And uh, yeah, just go there. They could go to the social media, Facebook, and Robbie with a Y, 
Robbie Dawkins on Instagram, on, on Facebook, on Twitter. Yeah. And yeah, that's where those, that's where those updates and, you know, posts are going out and yeah. Yeah, no, love to have everybody to keep praying with us and partnering with us to keep it up. Yeah, well, listen, Robbie, thank you for taking this time. Uh, For all of you guys that are watching this, uh, if this doesn't bless you, I I don't know what's going wrong. I don't know what's going on in your heart. So uh, like this, share this, uh, subscribe, subscribe, and get these videos out, and let, let somebody else get blessed by Robbie's testimony. And uh, we will see you guys on the next uh, Iris Global Green Room podcast. Thanks for watching this, and we'll see you on the next one. Bless you guys. Love you.